meet up at a place called Argo Tea with a couple other freelancers and, you know, crack our laptops open, our sketchbooks and whatnot, and just sit down and work. And, you know, we go get some tea, we would sit down, it was a good space, they had really big tables, you know, power supply, it's all, pretty much all you need when you're freelancing. And me and my friends would just sit there and we just work on stuff, whether it was our own stuff, whether it was client work, but we'd also, uh, you know, talk, you know, talk shop, comics, sci-fi, just whatever stuff. And a lot of times we would meet interesting people that would just like listen to our conversation and kind of just like, you know, ear hustle or kind of just barge in. Um, and then also we just met really cool folks that just happened to be there for whatever reason. And one of those people was Aki Garrett. Him and his business partner at the time was like, you know, thinking about an app that they were working on and trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how they were kind of um, flesh out. So they were just there kind of battle planning themselves. They overheard us talking. We started, you know, having a good conversation. And that, that led into something even more where, you know, we all became friends and, you know, we were telling him about our podcast we had at the time. And, you know, he was uh, starting to get into uh, entertainment now. He'd worked at CBS and they were starting a podcast network. And he was like, you know, you guys, I've listened to your podcast. It was really good. And it was one of the first times we had external feedback for our podcast that was um, cri- you know, critical and positive. So it was really, really cool to meet someone like that, that, you know, besides our own friends were like, hey, man, what you guys are doing is really good and valuable. So from born out of that uh, small situation, uh, began a longer friendship of, uh, you know, of even a number of years. And it was really great to reconnect with Aki. And uh, right now he's basically working at Revolt Media as the vice president of head and head of business development, but also most recently the GM of the Revolt Podcast Network. So he's helping a lot of young black uh, creators um, get a larger audience, you know, help them with whatever they need. And then also, you know, expand where Revolt's doing in their, in their type of business and media dealings. So this conversation was really, really great. I'm really happy they got to have the brother on. You know, we talked about how, how helping in a micro way and um, to kind of combat a lot of the doom and gloom that we always see you know, scrolling on our, uh, our social feeds. So without further ado, this is My Friends Are Fresh with Aki Garrett. I kind of like being you know, anonymous. So. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, Aki, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. Um, first of all, it's been a long time, <laughs> too long. And that's, that's on both of us, but, um, I'm glad we got a chance to connect. Um, I really wanted to get you on, um, for a number of reasons, but, you know, also what I think, uh, I was talking to somebody and they were asking me about kind of like the theme of the show and why I kind of do it. And I was saying, it was like, yeah, you know, I really do have a lot of good friends that are fresh. And then they start laughing and I'm like, no, I'm just being like, I know a lot of people in different areas and different industries and I, and where they're at now is not how I met them. I met them probably on something very chill or something, or something very low key. And I brought, actually, I brought your name up and um, I was just telling the story. I was like, yeah, you know, me and my friends at the time, we we're like all freelancing and stuff. And so we would go to a tea shop um, and just our, our go tea. And we would just go there. We lay out our laptops, get our drawings, whatever. We start working. We'll start talking some business stuff, start talking some creative stuff. And then um, people would listen on, listen in on us. So people would kind of like watch us or whatever, which was always funny. And people would always ask like who we are, what we're doing. Like we were just, like some type of thing. And we're just like, no, no, we're just broke artists just hanging out. Like, <laughs> like if you were a thing, you would not be in the tea shop in, at, at 12 o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> but um, but it was cool because um, we did meet interesting people. And one of the people we met was you. <laughs> that was, wow, that was uh, 2012. Yeah. 10 years ago. And so around that time, you were in banking, but you were just like transitioning out, right? Transitioning out of banking, I uh, I learned some health challenges, and uh, I just knew long term the lifestyle wasn't for me. Um, mm. And I knew I wanted to have a family, get married. I was dating my you know, then girlfriend, now wife, and we were kind of like ships in the night. She was doing consulting hustle, I was on the banking hustle, and we just kind of knew that like, hey, we wanted to start a family, get married, kind of do the whole you know family thing that this wasn't going to be something that was sustainable. And, you know, banking after a certain number of years, you started to get those golden handcuffs where you start hitting you with like, you know, equity options and, you know, all types of things. And then you're like, yo, I'm like stuck on, I can't leave. Like, I can't get out of this, 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 you know, this grind because I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. And so, um, I just knew I had to get out before kind of that happened. And then that was compounded with some health challenges. So I was just like, yo, you know, now's my time to, to make my pivot out and uh, figure out what's next. That's how I popped up at Argo Team Room. 
<laughs> and I remember at the time, cause you were working on like an app or something like that. And yeah. you were kind of figuring out more, you were trying to transition more into like a media situation. Yeah. And we had told you, we're like, Hey, you know, well, we have a podcast. It's uh, the black male version of the view. I'm whoopee. And we just talk shit all day and it's pretty stupid, but it was fun and it was interesting. And that's kind of like, how we, like I said, you, I was laughing because I know people that, uh, that are fans of the podcast and I listen to it, but you're actually the first person that gave us like actual real feedback. Like, Oh, yeah. this is good, but you guys need to work on this, 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 that. And I was like, Oh, you actually don't know. No. You're not just like, Oh, you guys are funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was crazy because I think back that time it was wild. Like I, um, in 20 and 20, I left banking. And I was working on this app and this crazy story behind this app. I had this idea for this app called Fades and Dues. It was basically an app for barbers, shops, and hair salons to essentially basically serve as like a, a customer um, uh, uh, marketing and like engagement tool. So it was essentially supposed to be like for scheduling, like not only um, marketing your services, you know, for people who are traveling or whomever who like literally. It would be all location-based. Like, I get off the subway in New York. I'm like, oh, snap, I need a haircut. Like, I can literally pull up this app, see all these barbers around me that were, you know, within my, you know, geo radius that were signed up on the on the platform, see pictures, read customer feedback and testimonials and so forth, and then say, hey, okay, I'm going to go to this barber, book a time, you know, complete the payment or transaction, you know, on the actual, on, on the phone uh, via credit card, and then go get your haircut or, or whatever. So kind of like that, you know. Lyft or Uber for for haircuts, and um, I was working on that. I was doing wireframes and so forth, and I kind of kind of wireframed it out. I was walking around New York, going to barbershops up in Harlem and Brooklyn, and just walking in like cold turkey. And it's like sitting down with the owner of the barbershop, like, "Yo, here's what I'm working on. Is this something you would actually spend money on? Like, how much would you spend on it? You know, to to subscribe and to get your business up on this platform?" And uh, lo and behold. Uh, once I went back into the corporate world, that kind of that idea kind of went to the wayside. And, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, seven, eight years later, nine years later, there's a company called Squire. Yep. We're <laughs> a billion dollar valuation on the team. <laughs> so um, that was not that was, the, that was the first idea I had that I missed out on uh, that turned into a big idea. And there was a second one I had a couple of years later around. Um, basically being the VRBO for uh, for air, for uh, RVs. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, nice. And I was working on that. And a lot of stuff went down, including the the, the death of one of our, uh, our lead developers passed away suddenly. Um, and uh, the idea kind of just, again, went to the wayside. And uh, lo and behold, RV share and a bunch of other, a couple of the RV platforms came out that were, you know, have been huge hits. Um, yeah, it's crazy because I think, um, we had to kind of some someone similar in terms of like, you know, our podcast at that time, we started it, I want to say like 2007 or 2008. Um, no, yeah, something like that. It was a little closer to 2010, but we had been doing it just, you know, at the cafe, hanging out, just press recording the iPhone and just started talking. And it was comedy that as we started to do it, we got used to it. We had a good flow and a good rhythm. And I remember, um, I think at the time you were at Sony and then you guys were working on work, kind of putting together a podcast network. No, I was at CBS. CBS. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it was interesting because I remember at the time in my head, I was like, oh man, this might be our moment. You know, we've been doing this for a little bit. We might be able to do this as a job, like, you know, do it. And then I realized while we're trying to like put the package together to kind of give, give it back to you, um, I realized everyone's motivations were different um, yeah. to doing the podcast. And that was the first time that I really had come into that thing was before in my head, I was always thinking that everybody was on the same wavelength. Like, oh man, we have podcasts, we probably do this for, for real. And this is like I said, what, 2000, I don't know, 12, 13 years, 14, something like that. So in my head, I'm like, yo, this would be dope. You know, we can, if it, if it doesn't work, at least we tried it, you know, that kind of thing. But not everybody was on that same wavelength. There was, and I think at the time, I was a little bit younger, so I didn't have, have an uh, understanding of why they didn't want to do it. I'm older now, I kind of get it. But I also just realized the intention was different. And so it, it really was a good, it was a good learning lesson because I was like, it wasn't that we weren't good. It was just more that one, we weren't as committed as other people were. And then, um, as I was saying before, I was like, I feel like, I like, I feel like Chappelle looking at Kate, uh, Key and Peel. All these dudes doing what we were doing before, but better. <laughs> and these dudes is not <laughs> as good. <laughs> so I mean, I think I was actually on an episode. I think I yeah, actually, yep, yep. I did an episode. I thought it was dope. Like when I saw, I mean, it's everything from like the podcast artwork to like the whole concept of like four cats sitting around a table. 
you know, very creative, you know, artistic, but like also intellectual kind of, you know, very, you know, polymath, very kind of dynamic backgrounds. You know, I remember, uh, I think uh, Pope was a digital mercenary. You had um, career ADD, like you guys had all these kind of cool monikers and like it really encapsulated and captured who you guys were. And so when I saw the podcast and actually, you know, listened to it, it was dope. And I was just like, man, there's like, this thing has legs. Like this could be like the next yeah, and this is when podcasts had kind of just yeah, started, just started. Like, like resurgence, right? Like you had you know serial went went crazy, and yep. then everybody was like, well, like podcasting, and then you know at CBS we obviously were like you know there's a lane for us in podcasting. We've got the infrastructure nationally. We have the ability to attract talent because we're CBS and so forth, and so we built this network up. Um, that you know gave rise to Drink Champs and uh, Rap Radar and a bunch of other great podcasts. And so, you know, when I was listening, kind of looking out, trying to recruit podcasters that already had, kind of already in the space, I was like, you know, getting four black men around a table who are, you know, educated, well thought out creatives, like, you know, with creativity and 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 just you know a, a point of view on a lot of different stuff, right? Um, you know, infused with comedy and just like banter and and and, and brotherhood. I was like, there's definitely a lane for this. And so I was hoping to kind of like just steer you guys towards like, hey, like you could actually turn this into something that like pays the bill, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then build a brand around it, right? Yeah, and, 100%. Uh, and and it, it, it was a, it was a good lesson though, because I think um, it kind of reminded me of that aspect of it. Like, you know, you're, you know, you got to make sure that everyone's in the same, in the boat also in the same direction. And I think, right. you know, right. that that's super important. And it was even, it's not even a slight to any of the guys. It's just like, not everybody was ready to do, to jump in that, to, in that realm. And so mm-hmm. I think, um, at the time I was like a little bit like salty about it. Just kind of like, Oh man, we could have done something. But then now looking back, I'm like, Oh man, if we, if we would have prowled ahead, we probably would have burnt out just because we weren't yeah. really ready for it in terms of the commitment aspect of it. But it was a good lesson for later. Cause then it was kind of like, Oh, let me make sure what I'm doing is these types of projects I do with intention. And so yeah. like, I know what my intention is. And it's like everyone else has their own, which is awesome. But just to make sure that like, if you are going to do something, a partnership, something of that caliber, like everyone's got to be on the same page. And it is hard. You got four people, you know, we got to make sure that everyone, you know, folks got different motivations, things going on. So, you know, it was something that like, it was a good lesson for me, but it was also something that, that kind of validated like, hey, we actually are good. And, you know, not just us, haha, funny, good. It's like people outside that just barely know us or like, yo, you guys have something. So it was a good, I think that was one of the first times that we got like um, outside validation of someone we didn't know. And it was just like, no, 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 you guys are actually really good. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and I, I mean, you, you could just tell like, you know, and you guys are doing, like you guys are just doing this as like a hobby. Like you guys, are, I mean, again, this was at a time like before Pakistan really took off. And so you guys are kind of in the early wave and it was just so refreshing to see brothers doing it out of the joy of like you know having a point of view talking about you know current events and topics and like you said not doing it with you know profits or or monetization like as the motivator right it was like just we just want to do this thing i think by the time i met you guys you guys were like you know multiple seasons into this to this thing yeah it was just so refreshing you know to hear quality content um, and I'm glad to hear that you guys are still doing it, you know, even if it's super infrequent, like it's definitely something there's, 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 there's a place for it. Obviously the podcast world now is this dumb crowded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, and that's what I was, I was actually going to go, go to that because now you're over at revolt. Now you are in the C-suite, you know, Hey, we need as much black people in C-suite as possible. <laughs> now that senior, senior executive, senior executive. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you helped help launch the uh, the Revolt's new podcast network. Mm-hmm. And so, one, how long did it take you to kind of get that concept and actually approve? And then two, you know, the types of podcasts on there are pretty varied, which is awesome. So yeah. I wanted, I kind of want to know what that thought process was, thought process was about. Yeah, no doubt. So I uh, I joined just to kind of set the table in kind of terms of time and space. I joined Revolt uh, November of last year, so November of twenty twenty one. Um, and during the, you know, my, my, my interview process and the conversations I was having, it was clear to me that, you know, podcasting was one of the things that Revolt really wanted to get into, um, and just hadn't had the, you know, the, 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 the resources from a, from a human capital perspective and the experience of somebody, you know, having done it before. And so, as you know, I launched the, uh, you know, had a team and launched the, launched, the, um, the podcast network at CBS back in 2014. Um, and so I kind of knew what it would take, uh, to launch something at Revolt. And so when I got there, um, you know, one of the first things I did was kind of put together a business plan that probably took me, you know, maybe the better part of like a month, 
um, kind of put together the business plan uh, and then kind of pitch it internally. And then once I pitched it, I pretty much got the green light, like same day, same meeting was like, Hey, like you got the green light to make this happen. Uh, and you know, to be a hundred percent transparent, I wasn't given a ton of money, you know, to do this. Like it was myself and my director of business development. Um, she and I together, um, kind of, you know, put our heads together and we're just like, hey, we're going to make this happen. And so we started first by kind of just understanding, you know, the need in the marketplace, um, you know, looking at a lot of research and data that basically said that, you know, the, the, the black and brown podcast market and black and brown podcast listeners are underserved, but there's a tremendous amount of demand for them. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of advertising dollars and the multicultural market, especially on the heels of, you know, the summer of 2020 with George Floyd. Um, you know, the advertising market is looking for ways to deploy, you know, dollars uh, and advertising dollars uh, into black owned media. And so creating a whole nother channel, a whole nother medium in the form of podcast would open up our, you know, give us the ability to just take in more of those ad dollars that uh, a lot of these brands and agencies that make commitments on. And so um, the total process to build the network took about, I would say, from about February is like we really started kind of going hard at it, and then we launched in August. Wow, it was crazy. So it was it was a matter of about seven months, like literally getting everything from like the sales infrastructure to you know, hosting to you know legal contracts to really outreach to podcasters to you know outreach to producers to produce originals to branding, you know, get the whole engine to you know getting our creative engines. On the on the on the creative services side, kind of up and running, you know, it just just literally taking building an entire business inside of an existing infrastructure that primarily produced video content, um, and kind of you know on a different, which is on the, a different different timeline, right? Just different work cycle. Um, we had to uh, we had to really figure out how to make it fit within that existing engine, um, and so we launched uh, on August eighteenth was our, our official launch date. We launched with twenty, sorry, twenty seven podcasts, twenty six podcasts, oh, wow. um, and as you mentioned, across multiple categories. And really, the whole the whole idea and, and thought process behind it this kind of dovetails into the bigger revolt mission is we want to be the home to black and brown content creators, right? Globally, right? We want to be, we want to create an ecosystem around black and brown, brown content creators um, that allows them to come uh, to do what they want to do, you know, to, to be who they are and, and, to, and to produce content that's unapologetically them, right? And to create a safe space for black and brown content creators to be unapologetic um, and to be authentic. And so we see the podcast network as a great kind of entry point for a lot of creators. Um, yeah. <clears throat> You know, do something, show their creativity, express their creativity in a way that one doesn't have a tremendous amount of upfront cost, um, but it still gives a platform for people to express and create, you know, generate the creativity, create brands, brand themselves, you know, create, you know, third party brands, whatever it is. Uh, and then we can put them in kind of the revolt ecosystem and start to elevate them. So, yeah. you know, going from an audio only podcast to a video show to then a highly produced you know, television show or highly produced, you know, streaming show or, or, or putting on our app, putting them in our live events at, you know, Revolt Summit, Revolt World, um, kind of bringing them around this ecosystem, you know, having, you know, guests or, or, or show up on Revolt Black News, um, you know, uh, uh, is another, you know, outlet. So we have all these different outlets that we can plug these creators into. And so as we think about, you know, what, you know, what, what Disney's done with characters, right? You know, they've aggregated a portfolio of, you know, 10,000 plus characters, right? How can we basically aggregate, or the Netflix aggregator portfolio, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of films and, and, and television shows, like how can we be an, uh, an aggregator of creators, right? No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense because I think the the one thing I would say in this space, especially when it comes to um, black and brown creators, there's always a lot of... Um, the chasm of quality is what I, what I would call it. <laughs> like, I, I like that the, from back then when we started to now, you know, it was, there wasn't that many people in the space. So when you said you had a podcast, they're kind of like, well, what is that? I don't know. And then they would listen to it. They'd be like, oh, I can listen on my iPhone. Okay, cool. Like it was right. this is before Spotify. It was pretty much, you know, SoundCloud, 
uh, Apple Podcasts, and then everyone started to slowly get into it. You got Amazon, you got Google, and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, now I noticed that as well is like, you know, we've been in the game for a long time. So seeing uh, the deluge of content because the, the barrier to entry is easier now, which is dope. That means it, it lowers the bar. You, know, you don't have a, you don't have to have a lot of money to produce. Unfortunately, the top. 50 podcasts are all now highly produced, usually backed by a bigger company, blah, 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 blah. So you, you don't really get to see a lot of the creator content. Um, but on that thing, then the, the the chasm of quality now is so big where it's like, you know, before, like, I think our first episode, we legit used an iPhone, like, like three or something, press record right. in a cafe. We, they, you know, sound quality is like whatever. But, and then as we got better, we got better. But nowadays, you know, I was, uh, I was in a Facebook uh, group of uh, podcasters. And so I was like, you know, let me, it was black and brown podcasters. I was like, you know, let me listen to others. Cause I'm like, I haven't been around as much anymore. Maybe I'm missing something. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to see one, there was just tons of them, which is great. But then also mm-hmm. because of that, the quality wasn't necessarily there. And mm-hmm. so when someone had quality, it was like, leaps and bounds and it was amazing it was you could really tell they were on it but uh i'm I, you know i dj as well it was almost like the same when mp3s were started to be used to dj now everybody can do it but then the people that are good now are getting even pushed up even more now so it's easier to find better people because there's the people that put that time and extra that produce it that really uh have an actual understanding of what podcasting is um they they're there you can find when you find them you're like oh yeah you dope but um, unfortunately, you know, because there is, the barrier to entry got lowered down, now it's harder to sift through because you got to find it now. <laughs> and you know, we spent a lot of time, and you know, people are like, "How many?" I mean, I probably for the for the twenty. So we launched with we had we had eight of our own podcasts that were originals that was audio stripped from our some of our TV shows like Assets Over Liabilities. Um, or, you know, Love and Respect of Killer Mike, we stripped the audio from the show and made it available as a podcast. And then we went out and I created uh, three original podcasts, audio-only podcasts. One is Monuments to Me, which is a great female-driven podcast. The other one is called Deposits, a podcast about um, interviewing celebrities and what they did with their first check. Um, and then we have another one coming out that I can't spill the tea on yet, but it's coming out uh, in about... It'll drop on Black Friday. Um, oh, nice, nice. With, with a very well-known uh, hip-hop artist. Um, and so we'll have those three originals. And then the remainder were all podcasts that, like, literally, I listened to probably five to 600 podcast shows. Ooh. And that, that I thought was, like, you know, had the diversity I was looking for in terms of gender diversity, in terms of content diversity, um, and ones where I thought, again, you know, to your point, there's so many podcasts, and a lot of them they don't they, they suffer from the the me- not having the megaphone to kind of rise above, you know, the, the rise above the noise. And so yeah. I was like, these are podcasts that I feel like if we bring them into the Revolt ecosystem, we can help them to rise above the noise. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we are, you know, almost 90 days into our journey, um, and you know, we've seen some of the some podcasts really start to command some audience um and in all fairness we are still you know again being that we are a television or, or or as a video first media company we are still learning um you know how to um really uh support our podcast you know uh in the best way to help them maximize audience um you know the advertiser response to us for, uh, announcing the network and, and coming out with a podcast network has been overwhelming um which nice. is that, that we're super excited about uh it definitely does not um it definitely exceeded my expectations to be quite frank um and so i i think we're in a great spot we're in a great spot um and i think 2023 is really going to be a pivotal year for us to not only scale the podcast network um but i would say more so scale it in the right way right um you know, again, we want to be the home for black and brown content creators. We want to provide a platform and a megaphone um, for black and brown content creators. There's a lot of stuff we're going to be doing around content creators, content creator tools, and so forth. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the podcast network, like I really want to curate, again, continue to curate a network that is high quality and that is diverse and kind of uh, explores the the diversity of, of black culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, not, we're not homogenous. Like we are, we are you know, a timing continuum. And so we need content that talks about everything from mental health to wealth to, you know, sports to lifestyle to hip hop music. Um, we are all those things uh, and more. So 
you gotta you gotta create a network that reflects that. Yeah, no, that's dope. And I think that's also like I like that it's the, the basis is helping to shine a light on people that are already doing that work. And I think that part is really good because in that way, I think that gives uh, other creators that kind of like, okay, now I have a, a goal to kind of reach towards. So it's like, I'm listening to people on this podcast. Okay. This is the quality that they're looking for, whether I'm at, you know, revolt or not. I know that at the very least, if I can get to the quality that they're at or the types of uh, content and how they're putting it out, I know that I'm at a, a, a different level that I can go somewhere else and do those right. things. Right. And that's a, that, that part right there is something that like, I know, especially in the black community, we do need um, the we need those examples to kind of kind of uh, to visualize sometimes. And um, I think it's it's a good thing that those things are starting to happen, and you start to see that because then, like I know, you know, like uh, Kevin Hart started his uh, network uh, little thing as well, and mm-hmm. every other other people are starting to make these networks, which is great. I think it's like space for everybody because, like I said, you know, you don't need one just to like to monopolize everything. We can need as much as we want, and it, it, it gives rise to a lot of different voices. And I think that will give opportunity to. A lot of people and there's a lot of ways we can work together i mean you know ebony's got a network rio just announced their network not too long ago like kevin hart's got one Issa ray's got one um you know there's there you know uh, essence has one that's you know, oh, wow. i just learned about a new network another network called alive um that was really focused on the black community um i don't know if it still exists but they, they have a website and, and, and they have podcasts on there but my point saying that is i think there's ways for us to work together right synergistically um, because podcasting is very much a network game, right? It's a network yeah. sort of thing where you know you find you you find a piece of content you like, and then you're, you're recommended another piece of content similar to what you see on the on the, on the internet, or right? you're recommended another piece of content that kind of sits in that same genre and that same space, and you're okay. I'll become a fan of that. And there's ways to kind of cross pollinate grow audience that I'm you know super interested in again in 2023 and exploring with other podcast networks because. Um, it's not a zero sum game. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's how a lot of the um, video creators, especially through Twitch and for YouTube, that's they rock. They have their clicks and they they cross pollinate. You know, some one person's on their stream, this other person's on theirs, and that's how they get, they build their audiences together. So they don't have to be in the silos to kind of just do their own thing, which I think is really really good. Exactly. And um, and so. By doing that, you're helping a lot of creators that are starting out or that, are, that kind of give voice to kind of get them to a, a place that people, more people can hear them. You're also on the other side of your uh, kind of career. You are um, in the advising role in terms of that for that. How did that come about um, just in terms of just because like someone like me who has a, a lot of different skills in a lot of different places. I think a lot of people, some, a couple of people have asked me to kind of advise them, which has been fun. Mm-hmm. But the official advising role, I haven't really got into that. And it's always something that's been interesting to me. And how did you kind of get into that? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that came about, you know, I've always, you know, I've always believed that, you know, and this is just, I just goes back years ago. I think it was right before I went to business school. I participated in a program called Coro Leadership New York, which is like a program for mid-career professionals that were really interested in learning more about public policy and how that affected um, how public policy and, 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 and the private sector affected life in New York City, right? So we looked at life in New York from all different angles. And one of the people I, I did that program with told, said something that has always stuck me, which is, you know, service is the rent that we pay, you know, to, to, to be on earth. And so, you know, I always took that to mean service in, in the sense of mentorship, service in the, mid, in the sense of being an advisor, service in, 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 in the, in the uh, sense of being a thought leader and giving back, um, kind of, you know, kind of paying it forward or, 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 or lifting as I climb, um, uh, to put it in another way, was kind of my, you know, something that I needed to do. Um, and I just felt compelled to do. And so, um, you know, as I've gotten, you know, I guess more senior in my career and just, you know, kind of got, clear direction on where I wanted to go professionally and just, you know, personally in my life, you know, I began to mentor a lot of, a lot of folks, um, you know, whether it was mentoring uh, uh, black and brown uh, entrepreneurs uh, as they built their startups um, or mentoring, you know, young black professionals as they kind of started their career and trying to work through early career challenges or trying to figure out how to optimize, you know, opportunities and take advantage of opportunities that were put in front of them. Um, Let's kind of start honing that advisory kind of skill set, um, and just in kind of a very informal way. Uh, and then I was asked, you know, um, you know, invited and asked to be on a couple of different boards. Uh, so I currently serve on the Minority Alumni Advisory Board at the Duke School of Business at Duke University, where I got my MBA. Um, so really helping out with um, being that voice for minority alumni at Duke, and also that liaison to kind of connect the tissue between the broader advi- broader alumni. Um, body and the current students at UQA 
uh, in their first and second years of the MBA program and or in one of the uh, one-year programs like the MNS program, which is a master's in management studies, or even in the cost continent or global MBA or executive MBA program. So we kind of serve as a liaison uh, and a representation to the school uh, and a voice to the school on behalf of minorities that are in those various programs. Uh, and then I also, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, was asked to be on the board of trustees at a prep school that I went to called the Shipping School in Philadelphia, uh, out in the main line. Um, which, you know, for me, frankly, I was, I was, I was on, I'm you know, truly honored, um, because, you know, Shipley, you know, people who know me, they know how much Shipley means to me, um, in terms of, you know, shaping who I am, the person I am today and my aspirations and desires and kind of the foundation that I built, um, you know, scholastically was really shaped and molded at Shipley. And so, um, you know, there my role is really to serve as, you know, I'm a trustee serving, you know, to, to make sure that the school uh, lives, you know, lives its mission each and every day um, and, you know, you know, exemplifies the values that Shipley, uh, you know, has, you know, projects and bestows upon, you know, upon its upon students and, and just publicly, you know, vows to, to uphold. And so, um, you know, there it's, it's really about, you know, making sure that, you know, students are getting a quality education. Um, I serve on the DEI committee, um, or uh, uh, which really is um, focused on making sure that diversity, equity, inclusion is used in everything that Shipley does, uh, from hiring practices to curriculum decisions and so forth. Um, make sure that that it's infused, and I also serve on the risk um, and audit committee, so just making sure that you know we are, you know, from a risk perspective and from an accounting perspective, that we are, you know, our books are in good standing. You know, we understand. Um, you know, our insurance is in good standing. We understand that, you know, what our risks are and how we can mitigate those risks uh, and just keep the school moving in, in the right direction. So, you know, those are those are things that I do enjoy. And, you know, a couple other things, too, I won't bore you with. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but it's, nah, uh, that's uh, that's dope. I think it's also because I know, uh, especially a lot of stuff in our community, we get especially I, I, what I've learned is as we're getting uh, further along in our careers, sometimes we get a little too heady and be on a macro level. And yeah. it's like, everything's like, you know, doom and gloom and this is going on. And then, and then I remember I had talked to somebody that was, uh, Oh, that does a, um, they do a workshop for kids um, in Queens. And what they do is they help. The, it's an after school program where the it's high school kids and it's kids that want to go into art school. So she, mm-hmm. so she helps the kids get their portfolio together, research mm-hmm. the school, and that kind of stuff. And it was funny because in my head, I was like, oh, see, that's a very small, micro, but tangible way to help in a way that can help the kids, you know, put them in. And, you know, it's it's a mixed group, but there are, you know, a few black folks as well. She's black as well. And so, but it was interesting because I was laughing because I was like, yeah, you know, once I started to step back a little bit, you know, the macro definitely gets you on your doom and gloom. But on the micro, when you're helping just on a small level, whether it's one-to-one or like you said, like alumni or school, you can really do a lot of change for people. And I think that's mm-hmm. just as important um, overall. And I've, I've been getting more into that space, I think, in this last year or two um, as mm-hmm. like as things have been progressing. And like you said, with George Floyd and all that kind of stuff. And my my school they did uh the uh, my animation illustration program there's like yeah there's usually maybe like 30 black kids if that <laughs> but yeah we here but uh it's better than it was before which is like three but um, uh but when all that was happening they kind of came to the leadership at my um my animation illustration department was like hey you know we want to have a space where we can talk about what's going on and all that kind of stuff and uh the two heads they're two chinese dudes they, they hit me up they're like yo this is the deal. We can't have this conversation. Right, right. <laughs> mind. And it was funny because one, I felt like it, I felt honored because I was like, hey man, yeah, no problem, you know. But it was also cool because it allowed me to interact with uh, alumni from the school after me and then mm-hmm. also with the current kids. And it was interesting just to sit down and listen. You know, yeah. I have a big I have a big mouth, so I had to like really calm it down, like let them talk and muttering. <laughs> so it was a good lesson for me because I had to like just literally step back and be like, hey, you know, the, the kids are gonna be all right. You know, I was I was a little worried, but uh they bright, they 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 really conscious about certain things. They, you know, they know what they want, they have a good sense of what uh what what they're not gonna fuck with and what they are. And um it was it was definitely a learning experience. So we did maybe about this is during COVID too, so maybe we did about four panels um 
And it was, and it was, it was good. It was just them, you know, the kids talked, I was helping moderate and then the the rest of the program just listened. They asked questions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And um, this being animation illustration, one of the things they did, which was really hilarious is they did a, uh, we did a panel on uh, black women's hair. And so we let the black, I, I have my, I have my dreads, which is cool. And I, that's the first thing I said, I was like, Hey guys, I have dreadlocks, my process, a little bit different than everybody else's. This is about black women. I'm going to step back. Ladies, take it away. <laughs> but, but the reason why they wanted to do it was because they said in animation, a lot of animators are drawing and creating these black characters and not having an understanding of black hair. And so the black women basically kind of broke that down, you know, uh, uh, to what one woman, one, one woman was actually mixed. And so her hair was completely different. So she talked about mm-hmm. that experience. Another one wasn't. And so it was a good thing because a lot of the kids and they're Asian, Latino, you know, white, they're asking really intelligent questions. And then they, they felt the space to ask it without any judgment or anything else. And the students, the black students were just more than happy to help them. Cause they're like, yeah, by us telling you guys about black hair, that helps you guys and it mm-hmm. helps us too. Cause when you guys, create these characters that might be on screen you're, you know a little kid like me is going to be watching like oh wow they got my hair right <laughs> mm-hmm. that's so true that's so true man that's that's actually dope like there's um there's uh there's so much in terms of like again like like you said like representation and just you know like making sure that something as small as like hair like you, know, you would never think that like Animators and those aren't capturing black hair the right way. It's like something yep. small, but it means so much, you know, when a little kid is watching a show, right? That and they see themselves in that show. Like I think about, you know, Karma, right? Which is a um a, a Netflix, it's a cartoon on Netflix about hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. That I think uh, Ludacris is the executive producer on. And my daughters watch it and they love that show. And like <laughs> part of the reason why they like it is because they see themselves in karma, right? Yeah. And you know, for them it's like, you know, like they talk about like, my my daughter walks on talking about I could rap and like, you know, that's something like <laughs> the furthest thing from rap, not as you. Um, it's more like I mean, he thinks like, beatboxing, but it's not even beatboxing. I don't know what it is. But my point is that like you know, I was like, I'm be like, I, I can be like Carmen. You know, do it, she does what she does, right? Starts, you know, you know, pelting out something that, that sounds remotely like you know, music. Um, but it's just so important again that she sees herself and like when she sees Carmen, like she sees a whole complete accurate depiction of a young black child, right? Yeah. Yeah. From the hair to the you know skin tone to the you know to the you know personality and, and everything. It's just like it, it, it feels authentic. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And I saw like um, it was funny because I was with my um my nieces and nephews and then like uh my nephew he really likes doc mcstuffins and i was like i was like sitting there, i was like what's doc mcstuffins he's like oh how do you not know doc mcstuffins <laughs> so we proceeded to watch three hours of doc mcstuffins and i'm now well versed <laughs> yeah. but, but also i was just like this is really dope doc mcstuffin is a little black girl she's a doctor her mom is a doctor dad's right. is there he's round <laughs> right 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 but i was like yo this is really really cool and then again it got me because i think especially after a lot of the the blm movement george floyd a lot of you know i'd worked at bet for a number of years and so i remember doing the in memoriam for people that had passed away from gun violence and like legit finishing it that night waking up in the morning and having to add someone else to it like that's how bad it was at that point um it's still you know it's not good but i remember later on i was kind of like well you know how can i uh I'm not, I'm not really a protester. I'm not marcher or anything like that, but I'm like, how can I work in those? Uh, how can I contribute? Like you said, get, kind of give service and even in a micro way, um, but, but conducive to your skill sets. And so um, it was interesting for me, like, you know, to go back to my, my school and like kind of help in that way and kind of, you know, just, you know, give that kind of a thing. And even now, I want to get be doing that a little bit more often um, this semester and next semester um, mm-hmm. for some of the kids out here, which will be kind of cool. Because, um, like, like you said, as, as we're starting to get a little bit more further in our careers, now we can kind of give back and kind of lend our expertise, and mm-hmm. and then also show folks like, yo, there's different ways to get to where you might want to go to. You know, like I think mm-hmm. that's that's something that I really. Um, I try to impress a lot when I meet younger folks where I'm like, you know, just because you got X to Z, Dex degree doesn't mean you're going to have, you're going to be in that situation. You might go into something mm-hmm. completely different, but you might still use that same information and you might not even need a degree. Maybe you find something that's like, you know, you, you're just really passionate and you learn on your own. So um, just making sure that folks that, especially the younger kids understand that there's those, those options where I think sometimes mm-hmm. when we were younger, we didn't necessarily get that. And we had to kind of learn that on our own. <laughs> that is so true. Like there's just so much, 
there's so much. Yeah, I think with the you know, democratization of information and the internet, and there's just so much. You, there's so much you can do, and 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 like you said, like if you are if you are out there kind of promoting the fact that like, hey, you can you can be anything you want to be, you can do anything you want to do, and like you don't have to go to school to do it. You can teach yourself. Like there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, it's just so important again just to see just to see people that have done it are doing it kind of you know supporting you and encouraging you or encouraging yeah. you to do you know to, to do that as well um you know it, it's you know when i think back to my childhood like you know part of the reason why i wanted to go to wall street part of the reason why i wanted to go into investment banking is because my brothers gave me a book by reginald lewis called watch your white guys have all the fun and like i was 13 years old i read that book and that literally changed my life like from that point on like i knew i wanted to go to wall street and everything i did through college was to get to Wall Street. And I did. I got there. Was you know, a trader, you know, traded bonds, and then went back to business school. Went back to Wall Street. Did investment banking, and um, it 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 was. Had it not been for that book, who knows where I, where I would have ended up? Right? Who knows what I, I would have wanted to do? But I was just so infatuated with this man's life, his journey, his success. You know, his his. Everything, right? And that book just—it it really sets the course from a professional perspective. And so, I think there's a lot of there's just power in seeing folks, being exposed to folks, listening, hearing, talking with people who have done, you know, things that you just don't think are possible, or playing spaces that you think, you know, people don't look like me. Um, yeah. I can't be in that space. You know, that's not—you yeah. know—it's not what we do. Like, we only play sports and. Raps, I know you're a lot more than that, right? You know, you got hundred percent, hundred percent. And same with it's the same with the traveling aspect, and you know, it was uh, I was in like I think it was like in Brussels or something like that, and I was out there and I was like changing um the oh I was putting camera I was putting a film into my camera, and then an older couple they're like in their sixties. And they were just kind of like, yo, you know, what are you doing out here? But I was like, oh, I mean, I'm going to study abroad. I'm, I'm going to school in London. Uh, it's the weekends. We're traveling. And she's like that. You know, they were really encouraging about it. And this is I was like 21 and I didn't really think too much of it. But they 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 were impressed that I was traveling. But then also they were kind of encouraging to be like, you should keep that because mm-hmm. we didn't think about traveling until we, we could retire because that's we didn't think we could do that. Like we had to. Yeah. All, right. Everything was, we got to work, we got to make money, we got to provide kids and that kind of stuff. And it's like, we never really had the mentality being younger that, oh, we could just travel or we could go do something else. And so when they said that, um, it was cool to hear it, you know, great to you know connect with them. But it was also kind of something that always reminded me to kind of like to keep kind of doing that. And then also, you know, pay, pay it back to someone else. And I mm-hmm. like inspire other folks to kind of keep doing it and, mm-hmm. um, and, and take that micro view. Cause like you said, just going back to your old, your old, um, your school and then just being on the board to help other kids that where you were there before and they helped you. So it makes a lot more sense. And I think that's the thing that's kind of cool where you see it. Cause, um, mm-hmm. It makes it, and then, and also too, it takes a it takes a little bit out of the of the doom and gloom because uh, <laughs> you, there's, you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that, and I think um, the for me the micro helps me kind of balance out that where I think I could easily get into the the really like cynical, um, apathetic vibe about what's going on and just things that are going on, whether it's in the news or whether it's you know um, different types of things. But then when I start to get step back a little bit focus more on the micro helping yeah. you know, individual people having those conversations that's when i'm kind of like oh yeah you know it's mm-hmm. it's bad out there but we could do some cool stuff <laughs> yeah, there's, a lot of good, like, there's a lot of good going on in this world man like it's just to your point like you know we have when i was in, in the news space they always said you know the, the, the moniker was if it bleeds it leads right so like you know you turn on the news and it's just you know, a big you know 30 minute obituary on local news right and you're just like man is there anything good in this world it's like Turn off the TV, like you said, go into the micro, dig into your community, you know, dig into those things that mean something to you. And you will find plenty of joy, happiness, and and, and just good heartedness in, in that stuff. And that's the stuff that we gotta bubble up. That's the stuff that yeah. we gotta put down on and and, and 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 again use it to balance the what seems like just a persistent doom at this point. It just seems like there's always something going on that's like, yeah. you know the pandemic or it's a recession or it's a you know it's a you know oil shortage or you know it's just others i mean i tell people all the time i think we are you know outside of having outside of the domestic war we our generation has pretty much experienced everything yeah yeah, yeah. Um, totally true domestic war right i mean i think we've experienced you know you know we got damn near close to a, a depression back in 0709 
you know, we got, you know, pandemic, terrorist attacks, you know what I mean? Like we've, we've experienced it all. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, with all that said, there's still a lot of good. Yeah. And I think that it, I was laughing because uh, I was talking to my millennial friends because I am a Gen X. I'm the last, the last one of the <laughs> thing. I tell everyone this 1980 is the cutoff people. I'm the, you know, technically we're the Oregon trail generation. Just, just let throw it out there for people. You don't know what that is. Go look it up. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but I was saying, especially for Gen X, like we're the last generation that fully remembers non-internet life and how that was. And so, you know, I was telling, I was explaining to one of the kids, I was like, yeah, I was like six years old when the Challenger went up to space and it blew up on national television. Mm-hmm. And we were all just like, what just happened? Because we're six. We don't know what happens when the explosion happens. We're just kind of like, oh, that's weird. And then they had to explain to us what happened. And it was sad. Like it was a collective moment. All of us watching one thing at the one time. Nowadays, when something bad happens, it trickles through the internet and everything else. And so we all learn at it at different times. Or if you're not even on the internet, you might not know about it until X amount of time later. Um, And so a lot of those collective moments are kind of gone now. And so Mm -hmm. when they do pop up, it's always like, it's almost interesting because I'm like, oh man, I remember how this used to be. We, you know, certain album would come out. We all listen to it. And then then on Monday at school, we all start talking about it. (laughs) It's amazing how how that's all changed. Um, you know, my, I think about my kids, they, they're going in a different job. I mean, my kids don't even know what network television is. Right? <laughs> all they know is YouTube. YouTube is their, you know, CBS, yeah. ABC, NBC, right? No, like, that makes sense. That makes sense. And they, I, I think they'll turn on, you know, ABC. They're like, what is that? Like, they see the TV. The TV means, uh, the TV is a conduit, literally, it's a conduit for YouTube. It's not yeah. like a TV where we would go turn on cable television or even network television. Mm. Like, how, how media has changed. No, that's right. Because even, you know, I, you know, you saying you work at Revol- uh, Revolt TV, you're more like, yeah, Revolt is a video creation, uh, like, company. Like, like a media company. As a, before, I would say that it was, a, it was a network company or it was like a cable network or something to that. Yeah, right? television station. Yeah, yeah. television station. I mean, Revolt for the longest was. Uh, an affiliate, you know, carrier-based station. Like we were carried on, you know, cable networks, and we still are. But the majority of our business now is off of the cable networks. I mean, most of our revenue is der- derived from everything from connected TV to web to experiential to social. You know, everything is digital, right? Mm-hmm. We are a majority digital company now, and that that pivot's kind of taken over in the place over the last three and a half, four years. Um, you know, but prior to that, we were, you know, we were, we were. We were a television company in a, in a, in a court cutting world, right? Yeah. So you kind of saw the writing on the wall, and you said, "I got to pivot my business to be, you know, sustainable." And digital is the way to go. So now we've got yeah. apps. We got you know, we're on every conceivable extension that you can think of. And again, we're playing in more and more business lines. Part of the reason why it's very important to launch a podcast network to diversify, to start a portfolio away from just video content. Um, you know, we have obviously editorial, flat editorial, we have a website, and so forth. But like adding on other capabilities is really where you know where we're going with Revolt, you know, this year and, and and in a big way next year too. So you'll see a lot more, a lot a lot more in terms of innovation and a lot more in terms of uh, what I would say is a diversification uh, for Revolt outside of just being you know a, a linear hip hop network. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I, especially with the partnerships with like uh, assets over uh, the earn your leisure guys. And that, like, that was a big one for me where I was like, I've been following them. Yeah. Since they were like, you know, pretty much podcast video and audio. And it was cool to see because I think that that journey for them kind of, it was like almost like it, it encapsulate what the whole point of that show was where it was yeah. kind of like, you know, we were going to be consistent. We're going to put information out there that folks need to know. And and eventually through the people that we're, we're having conversations with and how we're connecting with, we can get something bigger. And that's pretty much what's been happening over this past year to two years. We're like mm-hmm. maybe really striking some really cool partnerships, which is great to see from the outside. Cause then yeah. you kind of see like, yo, one, these brothers have been grinding Two, They do develop, they deliver really valuable content that I think is mm-hmm. great for people to listen to. And then um, they're starting to build, that uh, trust and uh, network of people so that when they do, like I said, when the, when the quote, quote, big boys start calling, it's not, it's not one of those like, Oh, Hey, you guys are plucking this out of nowhere. It's like, no, no, no. We've been doing this for a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we be truly uh, beneficial to each other? And yeah. So, they're, they're, keeping their, they're keeping their best fest uh, to Europe next year. Nice. Um, you know, they did nice. the best this year for the first time, sold it out from like 10, 12,000 attendees. And a year later, now I'm going from being just in North, you know, North American domestic, you know, conference, multi-day conference, and now being international. So, you know, there's, um, you know, kudos to those brothers. I mean, you know, uh, Troy and, and, and Rashad are 
you know, building a, a nice, you know, a nice, you know, media company effectively uh, and brand um, that has a very unique value proposition and is very much needed in our community and yeah. to our community in a way that is digestible, the information yeah. digestible, understandable, uh, and motivational, and inspirational. You know, got yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I like that too. That was your network and, and a couple other folks that are just like you know putting out information that is very, very you know forward thinking. Whether it's Web three, crypto, it's you know block and tackle kind of you know stocks, bonds, and and, and so forth. There's also another guy I don't know if you're familiar with Ross Mack. Shout out to Ross. He's um. He's uh, he's out of Chicago. He has a show on Revolt called Maconomics, and he's also got a podcast called Money Music Culture. And um, he also has a uh, Ross Mac on on Instagram. Uh, he does a lot of like uh, reels and, and so forth, just kind of giving out information around you know current events, the markets, and so forth, and what's going on in the marketplace. So. Um, yeah, like yeah. you said, just just you're right. It's just it's, it's much needed, and I'm glad that it's easily accessible because I think now you know before we had to really like hunt for that kind of information, and now we can finally get to a place where it's readily available, and then we can share it because like that's the best part about it. You know, it's like oh, I heard this thing was really good. Let me send, let me throw it to you, and then you you'll know, learn some new things. Yeah. So that's that part of it is good. It, it kind of gets. It kind of encompasses what we've been talking about all day, which is like, you know, the working on that macro, that micro, and then it starts to affect the macro, which I think is awesome. Absolutely. Well, Aki, thank you for coming on the show. Great conversation. My guy. Yep. Appreciate it, man. I'm honored. Um, you know, I love what you're doing. I've watched a couple episodes. Um, and uh, you know, anything I can do to ever, you know, help support, uh, you know, I'm in your corner, man, and <laughs> doing your thing. And uh, again, I appreciate the time and enjoy the conversation. Thanks, man. All right. Peace. I want to thank our guest, Aki Garrett, for joining me today. And, um, you know, that was a really good conversation. One thing that really stuck out to me when he said that his mentor was talking about service is the rent we pay living on Earth. And I thought that was really, really cool because... One of the things I've learned is I'm starting to get a little bit older, getting into uh, my career and starting to move up a little bit more in terms of whether I'm in entrepreneurship, whether I'm in corporate structure, is uh, starting to give back, whether it's mentorship, whether it's helping other folks and counseling and that kind of thing. And so I think um, I, I really loved uh, the part about the board of advisors and that kind of conversation. So once again, Aki, thank you for bringing on the show. Um, we'll have more conversations like this, but yeah, and we out. Peace. My Friends Are Fresh is a Mookie production, produced, recorded, edited by Cameron T. Moore, beats by Prometheus Jackson. You can learn more at myfriendsarefresh.com and you can hear more beats on Instagram at Prometheus Jackson.